Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Aiken Group's Q2 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please note that today's conference is being recorded. If you require further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. Adam Brigatti. Please go ahead. Thank you, Rain. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for participating in our second quarter 2021 results conference call. This is Adam Brigatti speaking and presenting to you this morning our Jean-Louis Sabronx, President and CEO, and David Smales, Executive Vice President and CFO. Our earnings announcement was released yesterday evening, and we've posted a slide presentation on the investing section of our website which we will refer to during this call. All of our comments will be glad to take questions from analysts. And we ask that analysts keep to one question and a follow-up before getting back into the queue. As noted on slide two of the presentation, listeners are reminded that the information we're sharing with you today includes forward-looking statements. These statements are based on assumptions that are subject to significant risks and uncertainties. Although the although ACON believes that the expectations reflected in these statements are reasonable, we can give no assurance that these expectations will prove to be correct. With that, I'll turn the call over to Dave. Thanks, Adam, and good morning, everyone. I'll start by summarizing ACON's consolidated results, review results by segment, and then address ACON's financial position before turning the call over to Jean-Louis. Turning to slide three, revenue for the second quarter of $971 million is $192 million, or 25% higher compared to Q2 last year. Adjusted EBITDA for the first quarter of $61 million, a margin of 6.3%, improved by $37 million compared to adjusted EBITDA of $24 million, a margin of 3.1% in Q2 last year. Diluted earnings per share of $0.27 cents in the quarter improved by $0.37 cents compared to a diluted loss per share of $0.10 cents in the same period last year. Reported backlog of $6.5 billion compares to backlog of $7.3 billion a year earlier and $5.9 billion at the end of the first quarter. Now turning to results by segment, as noted on slide 4, construction revenue of $955 million in the second quarter was 177 million or 23% higher than the same period last year due to nuclear refurbishment work in Ontario, major projects in civil operations and urban transportation systems, and gas distribution and telecommunications work in the utilities sector. Adjusted EBITDA from construction of 51 million, a margin of 5.3%, increased by $23 million compared to $28 million, a margin of 3.6% in Q2 last year, 
driven by higher volume and gross profit margin in nuclear, civil and urban transportation systems, and utilities. These increases were partially offset by lower volume and gross profit margin from industrial operations. New contract awards of 1.6 billion in the second quarter compared to 1.1 billion in the same period last year. This was driven by strong demand across Canada in smaller and medium-sized projects, as well as a number of multi-year project awards in the quarter, including the replacement of steam generators at Units 3 and 4 at the Bruce Nuclear Facility in Ontario, construction of the Eglinton Crosstown West Extension Tunnel in Toronto, and the North End Wastewater Plant Upgrade Project in Winnipeg. Turning to slide five, concessions revenue for the second quarter of 170, sorry, $17 million was $8 million higher compared to the same period last year, primarily due to increased activity at Bermuda Airport, where all commercial flight operations were suspended during the second quarter last year due to COVID. Although the year-over-year -year revenue increase and gradually improving traffic levels are positive, commercial flight operations in Bermuda are still operating at significantly reduced volume compared to pre-pandemic levels. Adjusted EBITDA in the concession segment of $16 million was $11 million higher than last year, driven by improving air traffic in Bermuda. Turning to slide six, ACON's financial position, liquidity and free cash flow remain strong. At the end of Q2, ACON had a committed revolving credit facility of $600 million, of which $10 million was drawn and $10 million utilized for letters of credit. On June 30, ACON completed a two-year extension of the credit facility, which now matures on June 30, 2025. As part of the extension, ACON incorporated sustainability-linked metrics tied to a number of the company's ESG objectives the first Canadian construction company to incorporate such a feature. Also on June 30, the $900 million performance security guarantee facility provided by EDC to support letters of credit was extended by two years to June 30, 2023. ACON's committed facilities for working capital and letter of credit requirements total $1.5 billion. ACON has no debt or credit facility maturities until the second half of 2023, except equipment and property loans and leases in the normal course. At this point, I'll turn the call over to Jean-Louis. Thank you, Dave. Turning to slide seven, despite the ongoing impact of COVID-19 on ACON's operations, we continued to deliver solid results in the quarter. We remain confident that ACON's balanced and diversified portfolio, strong financial position, and agile culture will enable us to continue to execute going forward. The construction segment is aligned to the significant infrastructure investment commitments by all levels of government across Canada, as well as by the private sector across the market sectors in which we participate. The concession segment is pursuing a number of large-scale infrastructure projects and targeting innovative development and private finance opportunities in industrial, power, clean tech, and other related markets, 
as well as participating as a concessionaire on the five P3 projects identified on the slide. Turning to slide eight, backlog recurring revenue programs and the pipeline of bidding opportunities for new work remain at strong levels across Canada. During the quarter, new awards of almost 1.6 billion demonstrated ACON's diversity across geography, size, and duration of projects and end market sectors. ACON is also pre-qualified on a number of large project bids due to be awarded over the next 12 to 18 months, and demand for our core capabilities continues to be extremely robust. And we expect demand for our services to remain healthy for the foreseeable future, as the federal government and provincial governments across Canada have identified investment in infrastructure as a key source of stimulus as part of economic recovery plans. Trailing 12-month recurring revenue was up 23% versus the prior period, primarily from growth in utilities operations. Recurring revenue is expected to continue to grow based on the capital investment plans of a number of key clients, particularly in the telecommunications and power sectors, as well as from the recovery of aviation traffic at the Bermuda International Airport. Turning to slide nine, in addition to the sustainability-linked credit facility expansion that Dave mentioned, we are continuing our drive to be an industry leader in sustainability as we undertake initiatives to harness innovation, reduce emissions, boost efficiency, and improve business performance. An ongoing focus of our sustainability program is to pilot new technologies to reduce emissions on our construction sites and in our facilities. We are currently undergoing trials to utilize solar energy to replace fossil fuel generators to provide power on certain project sites across Canada, as well as to power our training and innovation center in Ontario. We are also contributing to a partnership between the Government of Canada and the Cement Association of Canada to advance global leadership in low-carbon concrete production with the goal to provide a roadmap to help the cement sector reach net zero carbon concrete by 2050. Turning to slide 10, ACON's overall outlook for 2021 remains positive, supported by strong backlog, recurring revenue programs, and pipeline of bidding opportunities for new work. Although the pandemic is expected to continue to have some impact in moderating overall revenue and profitability growth expectations in 2021, we are encouraged by the generally positive trend in the lifting of social and economic restrictions in recent months in Canada, and the impact on revenue is expected to lessen going forward if this trend continues. In the concession segment, an increase in vaccination rates and the easing of travel restrictions during the second quarter provided early signs of a rebound from very low level 
in passenger traffic for the aviation industry. This is expected to lead to a corresponding gradual improvement in travel through the Bermuda Airport during the remainder of the year and into 2022. As I stated earlier, the overall outlook for 2021 remains positive as construction continues on a number of projects that ramped up in 2019 and 2020. We are encouraged by the level of backlog and new awards during 2021 and the strong demand environment for ACON services going forward, including recurring revenue programs, all subject to the unknown impacts of COVID-19 going forward. Thank you. We will now turn the call over to analysts for questions. Thank you. Now, as a reminder, to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star 1 to ask a question. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Yuri Link from Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning, Yuri. Good morning. Another nice quarter. Um, Jean-Louis wanted to dig in a little bit on, on the new awards. Um, they bounced back nicely. Um, just wondering uh, what you expect for the back half of the year in terms of, of new awards, wondering if um, you know, the, the, the projects that you shortlisted on uh, would allow you to end the year with, with maybe a higher backlog than where you stand today. And secondly, and in relation to that, if you could just comment on some of the um, new projects that are that are entering your, your bid pipeline and the nature of that work and, and how it lines up with your core competencies. Okay, thank you for this question. So you probably remember the uh, kind of anxiety three months ago at the end of Q1 when uh, our backlog was something like 5.9 billion. I had a few questions about are you worried? Uh, are you anxious? And I say no, I'm not because uh, quality uh, and uh, the balance profile of our backlog is what is important, not an absolute value on a Friday evening. Uh, so effectively, I'm, I'm very happy today uh, with a 6.5 billion backlog plus recurring revenues that are up 23% at uh, more than 500. Uh, all the parameters within this backlog are very interesting. So new award, as, as you say, 1.6 billion. Uh, we have something like 250 million for the two steam generator, 250 million for Eglinton West Tunnel, uh, 200 million for Winnipeg Water Treatment Plant, 50 million for um, Exxon Pipeline. As you can see, it's also very diverse in, uh, in terms of, um, of sectors, but also in terms of um, of geography. Um, this being said, you, we consider ACON that we, we build with discipline a, a backlog. It means that I'm not discovering with my team on Monday morning what is a backlog. We, we drive the backlog to shape as we want, as per our strategic plan, the future of ACON activity. And, and this is what is important. So, uh, yes, there are uh, projects 
uh, in the pipeline on which we have either already submitted uh, a proposal uh, or we have been pre-qualified and we are working to deliver a proposal during Q3 uh, or Q4. Uh, I will not go further in, uh, in detail, but um, this is about civil, uh, this is about uh, industrial, this is about nuclear too. Uh, and I'm, I'm not worried about the development of our backlog for, for the months to come. Okay, got it. Um, and second and last question, maybe for Dave. Can you just talk about uh, the, the leaders when you think about the construction of the gun margin as, as we look ahead and, and assume, you know, revenue can continue to, to grow over the next few years. Um, is is the opportunity more on, on gross margin or operating leverage? Uh, like what kind of revenue can your, your current overhead uh, support? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both, Yuri, uh, in terms of margin development. Obviously, um, uh, drive in such a strong um, end market environment is to ensure that um, we we maximise our, our bid margin, um, you know, reflecting the fact that um, there's fewer and fewer uh, bidders for some of these projects. Um, it, but it's also about project selection um, and making sure that, um, as Jean-Louis already said, we're very strategic about projects that we're adding to the backlog and that they meet our margin expectations and profiles. So. So certainly that would all feed into the gross margin piece. Um, but as we see top line growth, um, you know, we don't expect uh, the kind of overhead structure to um, grow at the same at the same pace. So we do expect some leverage uh, impact too. So I think there's two positive dynamics going forward, both based on the strength of uh, the end markets that we're in right now. Okay, that's true for me. I'll uh, turn it over. Thanks, Dave. Your next question comes from Benoit Poirier from Desardins Capital, Angel. Yes, good morning, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to come morning, back Benoit. on the two. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I just wanted to come back on the two project pursuits in the U.S. So you disclose a project in the Washington State and Louisiana. Could you talk about your strategy to organically enter the U.S. market, the targeted states, and also the sectors that you're looking at? Yes, Benoit. Um, the United States is becoming more stable. This is evident, and uh, there's a great chance that uh, a bill of uh, around 1,000 billion for infrastructure within the next 15 years uh, may be achieved. Not everything is about our infrastructure, but uh, I would say quite a good share will be. So we have to take care about this market because it's going to be most probably a, a very quickly growing market. This being said, it's a, it's a foreign country, so I have always the same principle. 
organically we will only go where it is our core competencies and we will try to choose the best partners to help us to make it good. It means that we have knowledge of P3 because Canada has been quite advanced in the, in the P3 industry. We have our own technical knowledge. The language is the same between the United States and Canada, obviously. We need local partners and we also need peers of our size just to help us uh, in front of the structures of the deal. Geographically, we, we are not that selective. Evidently, uh, you have noticed that one of the first switches in Washington State, we are extremely strong with our major project co uh, component in, in uh, Western Canada, so it's quite easy uh, to shift uh, teams um, to, to the northwest uh, states of the United States, but uh, we will go on a case-by-case -case basis uh, trying to create a team for different projects that's not going to change too much to take advantage of a, of a learning curve in, uh, in working uh, in this country. Okay, okay, that, that's great. And, and just with respect to your M&A strategy, Jean-Louis, you previously mentioned your interest to, to, to do something maybe a, a little bit more larger than usual in Eastern Canada. So could you talk about the pipeline of opportunities and why to uh, the intention to bolster your uh, position in, in these regions? Yes, you, you, I mean, there are two kinds of opportunity for, for external growth. I mean, the check-in activity that we do on a regular basis, uh, just to complement the geography or uh, some uh, specialty, and uh, we are quite used, and, and, and there may be some more uh, structuring um, acquisition, uh, and we are having a look at it. And uh, yes, we are we are looking at the east of Canada, but not only the, the east of Canada. I mean, when we have the capacity through our balance sheet to make very interesting operation, and uh, we are always uh, alert and focused to be sure we can find the right company, and we we will be ready to go. Okay, thank you very much, uh, gentlemen. Your next question comes from Jacob Bound from CIBC. Your line's open. Good morning. Morning, Jacob. Morning, Jacob. I wanted to go back to uh, the margins um, and specifically, you know, are you seeing any evidence of, of cost inflation? Uh, and maybe comment on the availability of labor. Construction is about cycles, Jacob. It means that there's nothing new. Uh, what we are we are seeing at the moment, uh, yes, there is some inflation in, in the price of commodities. It has gone down in certain aspects, uh, but uh, this is a trend at the moment. We are used to live with cycle, either by protecting us when we sign uh, contracts with clients, or through our, I would say, operational uh, Agility. I mean, uh, for example, when, when a price is going up, you, you just try not to procure in bulk too much. You just procure uh, I mean, the, the best way 
you can. And for example, when you think the price is going down, you try to renegotiate. Uh, as, as an example, uh, we are renegotiating uh, quite a number of uh, subcontracts that we had to sign during the COVID time. And because of the risk, because of the unknown, the level of price was higher than it is now with, uh, with the vaccine, uh, with the rapid test. And, and we are renegotiating uh, some of our um, subcontracts. So I would say so far, we, we know how to deal with this and I'm not that much worried. In terms of uh, labor, um, as I used to say, the fact that oil and gas is decreasing has just shifted quite a number of people into uh, infrastructure construction. Um, we also took advantage of the closing down of, uh, of quite a few of the building jobs during the, the first months of COVID to attract new kind of workers that, that just feel happy, just feel happy with us. Um, the, the management, uh, I would say, is tense. I mean, the, the market of the management is tense, but so far we can, uh, we can handle it. Uh, top executives, uh, top project directors have always been, uh, I would say, a fighting sport, and, and we, are, we are on it. So uh, we can manage it, and, and it's not a, a point of, uh, of great concern at the moment. My second question is just on uh, Bermuda, you know, the utilization that you saw in the second quarter. What are you seeing so far in the third quarter, and, and how, is that, uh, how is that expected to ramp in your mind? Yeah, so um, we did see improvement through the second quarter uh, from when we came into the quarter. Um, we were kind of in the uh, low to mid-teens in terms of percentage um, of traffic versus kind of the base year, which you know, we view as 2019. You can't really compare to 2020 because the airport was shut for much of that period. So when we compare to 2019, we saw a ramp up from kind of low to mid-teens at the start of the quarter through to kind of 25, 30% by, by the end of the quarter. Um, and, and based on, and it's still obviously early in Q3, but based on what we see right now, we expect that kind of ramp to continue through Q3 and, and through the end of the year, so that by the end of the year, um, all else being equal, um, and no you know, sudden uh, uh, reversion back to restrictions and lockdowns and uh, further travel restrictions, we see getting to something in the range of 50% um, of 2019 traffic by the end of the year, like for the last month or two of the year. Um, and then obviously, if all goes well, 2022 should see that continue to improve. So that's kind of uh, how we see things right now. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely on a, a, an improving uh, improving track right now. And in, in 2019, what was that split between U.S., U.K., and and Canada or the rest of the world as far as origin, origination of, of traffic? Yeah, so the U.S. typically represents um, 
two-thirds to 75% of uh, all traffic uh, in and out of Bermuda. That's helpful. Thank you. Uh, maybe I can add uh, to give some colors. Uh, uh, last Friday, in our Bermuda airport, all the gateways were full. I mean, we had a plane on each gateway on Friday afternoon, and we had not sufficient food and drink to cater. So much crowded was the airport. So from time to time, I mean, after five quarters of, uh, of COVID, we, we can just begin to smile again. Your next question comes from Maxime Sarchev from National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, I was wondering if you don't mind providing a bit more color on the the reason for the jump in recurring revenue. I think you mentioned it's up to uh, 23% year on year. Um, yeah, so that's the first question. In uh, obviously, telecommunication is a, is a big driver. This is a um, one of the consequences of, um, of COVID, uh, people need uh, more connectivity, uh, even in quite remote places. They need more volume of, uh, of data. So there is a, a, a very strong movement of, uh, um, of new CapEx from uh, our usual clients. Gas distribution, for example, with Enbridge is also very, very active. Uh, electrical transmission, I mean, it's, uh, it's becoming obvious that uh, we will uh, use more and more electricity uh, in, in, in the years to come. And this electricity, I mean, in addition to be produced, uh, has to be transmitted and distributed. So there's also quite an interesting movement of new capex on this. This is what creates uh, this 23% increase, and this is why we think uh, it's not going to stop here. What, what is also very uh, interesting is the, I mean, I'm astonished uh, with the real robustness of our utility sectors. Uh, it's, it's a sector that has learned, I mean, to, to do a lot with little, extremely agile to take new jobs, to, to, to find new way of agreement with, uh, with its clients. I'm, uh, I'm extremely happy with the, uh, the way the utility sector at ACON is, uh, is evolving. Yeah, I agreed. And then, Jean-Louis, uh, just maybe as a follow-up on this, uh, how does the M&A strategy fit into this, you know, utilities recurring revenue component, if it's possible? Thank you. Evidently, uh, we are extremely keen uh, on being able to attract and to make acquisition in this, uh, in this sector. Uh, as I've already said, I mean, uh, I'm working a lot on the balance activity of um, of Acon on our balance portfolio, and we have been working hard during the last three years, and uh, we are extremely ha happy after the this uh, pandemic to see how robust uh, this utility sector is. So yes, we are always chasing for new company uh, that can bring us those recurrent revenue. 
Right. Okay. That's super helpful. And then maybe just just one one uh, uh, small cleanup in terms of the ESG uh, objectives that are part of your credit facility. Do you mind uh, talking about what what exactly um, what are the triggers for for these things on the on the ESG side? What are the uh, well, what are the drivers for, or I guess the um, the benchmarks that you have to to meet in order to um, respect the, the agreement? Yeah. So there's four metrics, uh, Max, built into uh, into that structure. The the first is uh, on greenhouse gas emissions. Um, uh, the second is around uh, safety metrics. Um, the third is uh, spend with with indigenous suppliers and subcontractors. Uh, and the fourth is um, in terms of uh, use of preferred suppliers uh, and their conformance with uh, ESG and diversity and inclusion uh, practices. So, so those are the four uh, areas we focus on. Um, there's obviously uh, targets uh, built in for each of those that, that differ by category. Um, and ultimately, uh, the the impact in terms of uh, upside uh, potential on pricing is is up to uh, uh, five basis points uh, either way. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. That's it for me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Max. Your next question comes from Chris Murray from ADB Capital Markets. Your line's open. Yeah, thanks, folks. Good morning. Um, just maybe turning to the going back to the concessions business um, and looking at the EBITDA margin in the quarter. Um, you know, certainly you know, ninety-five percent is a pretty pretty high margin. Um, but just wanting to maybe understand, um, is that kind of a normalized number? And I appreciate there's a lot of changes going on. Um, but is that how we should be thinking about the margin profile of the O and M business? in Bermuda, um, or was there something else that kind of skews that number this quarter? Yeah, no, it certainly skewed given um, the, the current level of, of traffic in Bermuda. Don't forget we have other concessions where there's also small levels of uh, income coming in uh, in terms of management fees and things like that. So when revenue is particularly low in Bermuda, those, those have the impact of increasing that margin. But but really, if you look at 2019, that would give you a much better uh, benchmark in terms of uh, margins for that sector. Uh, obviously, we've transitioned to the new terminal, but yeah, it's not not that much different in terms of uh, uh, current um, expectations of, of traffic once we get back to normal. Um, so the, the margin profile would be more in line with uh, what we saw in 2019. Okay. And then you mentioned earlier in the call that your expectations would be to maybe about 50% of, uh, of prior levels. You know, I'll make the comment that this morning Air Canada came out and they talked about the fact that they're starting to see bookings um, in kind of the, the winter season, so January, at above 2019 levels now in certain weeks into the Caribbean. Um, so just wondering um, how quickly you can ramp up Capacity is that a you know Jean Louis kind of alluded to the fact you guys ran out of food and 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 beverage, um, but is it a is it a thing of people or is there more development left to do, um, additional gates to finish? Like, are there any restrictions on you guys getting back to full um, full capacity if all of a sudden it materializes maybe quicker than you're expecting? 
Yeah, no, no restrictions at all. Um, you know, Jean-Louis was, was kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek talking about what happened uh, last week, which was really just uh, a function of uh, being set for a certain uh, level and uh, uh, things things ramping up uh, quickly that particular day. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, everything is finished at the airport. The capacity is in place to, to be at or above, in fact, more than 2019 levels of capacity at the new airport is is higher than it was at the old terminal. Um, and it's, it's really just a question of uh, as flights are added and as uh, passenger flow uh, increases, um, we can ramp up uh, pretty comfortably alongside that. So, so no, there's no restrictions that, that would take any time to implement. Okay, great. That's helpful. Thank you. Your next question comes from Shabahat Khan from RBC Capital Markets. Your line's open. Right, thanks. Hey, good morning. Um, just on the commentary earlier on the U.S. side, um, you know, how far along is that process in terms of U.S. sets in that market? Are you looking at specific projects already, or is it still in sort of due diligence phase to see if the, the market makes sense? No, we, we are looking at specific projects. We have just been pre-qualified uh, for a bridge with uh, Plenary and Axiona in Louisiana. Uh, we have a few projects uh, in our pursuit list. So we, we, are, we are just uh, ramping up uh, in front of the uh, of U.S. Okay, then I guess as you look at those projects, are you able to maybe share, you know, are you looking at, hey, look, we need to make the exact same return on the Canadian side, whatever, you know, whatever benchmarks you use internally, or is it, look, the size of the opportunity is much bigger, so the absolute dollars maybe matter a little bit more? So how are you assessing the opportunities um, on the U.S. side versus the Canadian? So far, um, we don't know exactly what is going to happen. We don't know exactly what kind of project will come first. Uh, so, the decision at ACON is to focus on our core competency and focus on the right partners. And if, in addition to our partners we have been already working with in Canada, it's a case for Axiona, for example, where, because we are building the Petulo Bridge uh, in Vancouver together, I mean, uh, better for us. And, and then we shall see how all these develop and all these ramps and uh, we'll probably be able to refine our approach. But just, okay, just to you. add to that, just to add to that, Sabah, there's, there's no philosophy where we're saying we're going to go into the U.S. market at a lower uh, margin expectation. I mean, obviously, we'll partner with other big international uh, uh, companies as we um, qualify and, and bid these projects, and, and they have their, their own Margin expectations as well, and we'll we'll make sure we're aligned, and uh, we wouldn't go into the U.S. market if we didn't think the the margin potential in that market was was strong. Um, we think now is the right time, a because there's going to be a lot of demand in that market, but b because we think it supports our margin expectations. So uh, there's no concept of the U.S. you know buying our way into that market. I mean that's that's not our philosophy in any way, shape, or form. And I guess if I could just follow quickly, I guess, was that part of sort of deciding on those specific regions in the U.S. or the Northwest, or was it the type of opportunities available? And what kind of guided your decision to that region? Yeah, I mean, the, the region I was 
talking about it just because it's close from um, our base in, uh, in British Columbia. We also know that some states um, are easier to work with. So I would say uh, it's, it's a project-per-project decision, and uh, and we just try to follow our guidelines uh, about scope of work and and about uh, partnering. In addition, as you say, I mean, uh, it's also about uh, which state and under which circumstances. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Troy Sun from the Russian Bank. Your line's open. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, maybe I'll just start with John uh, Louis, if I may. Uh, just have a question on the business development side, especially for concessions. I think at some point you had a team sourcing process in the international market. Uh, obviously, uh, I presume that's been made pretty challenging by COVID. So I'm just wondering if there's any update on, on that uh, front. Uh, now that travel is becoming uh, easier. Yes, you're right. I mean, we, we have a team at ACON uh, focusing on future international activity. Uh, it may be under a G2G scheme like uh, Bermuda. It may be under a, a private initiative or a, or a, a tender on, uh, on, on a piece we basis or a design and build uh, job. Evidently, and you're right, I mean, COVID has disturbed a lot this activity. Um, most of the territory have been totally locked down, no capacity to enter, or when you enter, I mean, a high level of quarantine. So this has gone uh, rather down, but uh, uh, we are back. We are back on the road, and I can tell you, for example, today, uh, we have two persons from, uh, from this team who are abroad that have been traveling and safe. So uh, we will we will come back on track for this. Great, that's uh, helpful. Um, and I just have a, another question for Dave, um, just on the free cash flow. I think you guys have had a few years of uh, very strong, robust conversion, um, you know, from adjusted EBITDA to free cash flow. Should we be expecting, uh, you know, a similar run rate for 2021, or is there anything unusual potentially in working capital that we should be aware of? Um, not specifically. I mean, obviously, we always call out the usual seasonality, but over over the course of the year, um, we expect the profile to be to be relatively similar to a normal baseline year. Obviously, 2020 um, had a number of other things going on in terms of timing of projects. Uh, being suspended or ramping up again um, that kind of disturbs some of the normal seasonality. But uh, when you look at um, uh, a base year like 2019, for example, we, we don't expect anything particularly unusual. Okay, great. That's it for me. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Michael Tfong from DD Securities. Your line is open. Uh, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, just just one question for me, um, and I guess I'm looking at the the outlook commentary that you provided in the second quarter's MDNA. Um, if I compare what you've said to some of the commentary in the in the first quarter, there there's a lot of similarity. But one thing that that does seem to differ is there was reference in the first quarter to. Uh, 
seeing some delays on projects and, and commenting on how that may impact the business. That, that type of commentary is absent from this quarter's MD&A. I guess I'm just wondering if you can speak to, is that simply an evolution of, of the economy reopening and, and things sort of getting back to normal? Or um, if you can just speak to, to what you've seen in terms of those delayed projects, that would be helpful. Um, my answer would be the following. Uh, none of our projects that were in backlog has been cancelled due to COVID, but uh, there have been some of them have been pushed down the line. Uh, what, what you notice is just that business is coming back, is just coming back to normal, and we have uh, we have more more visibility. The, the pipeline is uh, is extremely strong, and we we cannot hear from our clients uh, a wish to decrease the amount of projects that they, that they would like to put uh, on, on the market. I mean, it is a contrary, so it, it may explain, I mean, what you have noticed in the wording. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Your next question comes from Naji Baidun from IA Capital. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Um, just wanted to uh, go back to a previous question on on additional opportunities in you know project pursuits that are outside of Canada. Uh, are you expecting the focus going forward in the pipeline to be more towards U.S. and international opportunities? Um, and, and if that's the case, how do you think about the both the risk and the return trade-off uh, of pursuing projects, call it in non-core markets versus maybe in Canada? So. Uh, the answer to your first question is, is no. I mean, we are going to stay focused on Canada. Evidently, as I used to say, Canada is half a million of newcomers every year. Uh, those newcomers need uh, fresh water, uh, treated water, transportation systems, bridges, uh, power, and, uh, and the market for infrastructure is going to stay strong. We at ACON, we are stronger and stronger in Canada in terms of geography, in terms of capacity. So Canada will remain the point number one uh, in terms of activity and, and pursuit. This being said, we, we cannot refuse to look at the U.S. market, and there may be quite interesting opportunity. Uh, we are not uh, starving. It means that uh, I will manage... This is what I call the discipline. Uh, I will manage to only try to go on specific projects in the U.S. where I'm convinced uh, that we can have a very good trajectory because, I mean, thanks to our references, thanks to our capacity, thanks to our history, to our partnering, uh, internationally is more the same kind of uh, of answer, uh, we will pick the project where we think we can add value to our client, not at any price, not under any contractual condition, and, and always with, uh, with the right partner. Okay, got it. Got it. So it just sounds like... Selectivity, yeah, selectivity is the right word, I mean, for international activity outside Canada. Okay, so just you have a bit of extra capacity and you're looking selectively at opportunities. Um, okay, that's, that's helpful. Yes. I just... uh, 
Yes. Maybe I can come back. I mean, from your question to uh, the last question of Yuri at the beginning um, of this session uh, about um, our overhead and, and our support uh, services capacity. Uh, what has been extremely interesting in, in this COVID crisis is that we just discovered that we can work better. Uh, we can work better. We can uh, do more with the same or uh, we can do the same thing with less. Uh, it's not only about being flexible, but we have suppressed a lot of uh, the transit time. It means that uh, with the same capacity, with the same size of our support centers, I mean, we can tackle new opportunities. And this is what is quite interesting. I mean, we have to get out from this COVID better than we, than we entered, and, and we try to capitalize on, on everything we think uh, emerge as good ideas to organize ourselves. Okay, that's, that's helpful. Um, uh, I, I don't know how much you can say uh, um, about uh, these two specific projects, but I'm just wondering if you had uh, any comments on uh, follow-up work at Boost Power uh, or for the sewage treatment plant in Winnipeg. Any, any color on either the timing or the scale of the additional contracts that you could win for this project? Uh, yes, at, at, at Bruce Power, uh, there are six reactors to be refurbished. Uh, we are on the number one reactor. We have a, a preferred supplier agreement uh, for the next reactors. Uh, the conditions are, are changing. Um, we have already secured uh, for the steam generator, which is quite an interesting job, unit number three and four, which are the second and the third one. We are negotiating at the moment with Bruce Power for the second reactor under which condition we could do it, taking into, into account uh, the, um, the learning curve that we have in nuclear. I, I remind you, we, we had a first unit in, uh, in Darlington in 2018 and 19. Uh, then we just started up in 2022 units, which are the second and the third one. Operationally, we are doing extremely well. We are in advance of the schedule, uh, in front of the schedule, uh, more than 30 days in, uh, in OPG, around 20 days in, in, in Bruce. So I'm extremely happy with the ramping up of our operational capacity. And we will look, uh, we will seek uh, getting um, all the units coming uh, down the line uh, on Bruce. OPG, it's done. I mean, we have a contract for the four units to be to be refurbished. Winnipeg, uh, I mean, uh, what we have uh, won is just the first part of a much bigger scheme, and we just think that the the fact to be here for the first contract, uh, on which I can say that mobilization is going quite well, will help us to be very well positioned for for the rest of the job. Okay, great. And, and just uh, one last question for me on uh, Lake Erie connector. Uh, if there's any, uh, been any discussions or uh, around that project, or maybe your expectations surrounding the potential timelines and, and uh, work related to uh, to that uh, that situation. No discussion at Acon for the moment with uh, with eventual clients. So nothing special to see on this one. Okay, thank you. That's uh, that's all for me. Your next question comes from Ian Jolies from Stephen. 
Neil Ryan Schulte. Morning, everyone. Morning. Would you be willing to put another project similar in size to Bermuda Airport on the balance sheet at this point in time, given the improved outlook, or would you need to divest that project first before doing another project in similar size? So usually it's either David or, or myself to give an answer, but uh, okay, I will give this to David, but I think we have exactly the same answer on this. Go on, David. Well, yeah, absolutely, we'd, we'd be open to that. Um, you know, there's already been a question about international BD, um, and, and this is one of the areas we're focused on. Um, we think uh, the solution we bring to some of these smaller um, island uh, airports is, is fairly unique, and. Um, we think we've got a good model that we can replicate elsewhere, and, and that's part of what our, our BD team are focused on. Obviously, as we've already said, COVID uh, put some of those conversations on ice for a while, but um, there, there are a few of those that, that are definitely ramping up again, and there's, there's definitely interest in that model. So we would absolutely look to, to do that again. Um, in terms of Bermuda itself, uh, at this point, there's no uh, plans to, to monetize our investment there. Um, we're more focused on, on getting the airport back uh, to full operations and, uh, and being a long-term partner with uh, uh, Bermuda. That's, that's very helpful. Um, if uh, Jean-Louis doesn't have anything else to add, the other question I wanted to ask was around higher expectations um, in, in the M&A world with, with all the stimulus spending expected to happen. I'm just curious whether that's posing a material headwind at this point or whether you think that's an issue that can be worked through over the course of time. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a funny market right now because you've obviously got people who are coming through a period that's been impacted by COVID and then, as you say, there's, there's also expectations around uh, a stronger market going forward. But I think a lot of the things we're looking at uh, are opportunities similar to ones we've already um, acted on, where companies are getting to the point where uh, they need a, a partner like Acon to, to help them accelerate their growth. And, and that's certainly what we're looking for when we, when we look at these opportunities, where we can bring some synergy to and some size and scale and our client relationships and everything else to to help those companies uh, grow quickly um, so that they're looking at end markets growing but they're also looking at their own ability to uh, continue to keep pace with that from a balance sheet perspective and so they, they view Acon as a, a good long-term home for, for their business so so we think it plays into our strengths as a, um, a buyer of, of strategic assets. And there's some short-term, I think, dislocation in, in terms of expectations, but nothing that I think would, uh, would be lasting and we can't overcome. That, that's helpful. Um, thank you very much. I'll turn it back over. and Hopefully my audio works for the first time in a while. Thanks, Ethan.
Your next question comes from Benoit Poirier from the Sargent's Capital. Your answer. Yes, uh, yeah, well, welcome back. Uh, just related to the fourth modernization project in Saint-Vincent, could it be turned like a concession uh, project over time? No, I don't think so. Uh, Benoit, this project has been taken by the Caribbean Development Bank, and uh, they, have, they have a plan about it. Um, I don't think that there, there could be an evolution uh, and uh, we are still uh, uh, in, in, in the frame of, of a design and build a pure construction job uh, in San Venter at the moment. Okay. And last one for me, just with respect to the, uh, the opportunities in the U.S., uh, you talk about the proximity uh, versus B.C. Could you talk a little bit about the strategy uh, to source uh, the employees, assuming you're successful with those uh, U.S. opportunities, John? Uh, this is exactly why we don't want to go alone to build a project in the United States, and we want to go with strong American peers and local peers because the rules are different, the, the trade unions are different, uh, mm. the regulations are, uh, are, are different. In terms of management, there's not that much of an issue. Uh, I would say a great proportion of, uh, of uh, our managers in Western Canada are American, so they can perfectly cross the border. Uh, in terms of trade, uh, this is why we, we need partnering, and uh, this is what we have in mind. Okay. Thank you very much for the time. Your next question comes from Frederick Bastian from Raymond James. Your line's open. Good morning, guys. Um, you Good bought morning. a small special. You bought a small specialty nuclear business a couple of years back. Just wondering um, if you could comment, firstly, on how their expertise is helping your refurbishment activities in Canada, and secondly, whether you can leverage their relationships to pursue uh, nuclear work down in the U.S. Yes, uh, we are extremely happy with the expertise of works um, in, in um, nuclear and especially nuclear welding. We have been using them from the moment we acquired them, I mean, on Darlington, the first unit, and uh, we had uh, excellent uh, results. Uh, this, those results have been shared with our teams at Bruce. And uh, we have decided in cooperation with our client, I mean, OPG and Bruce, to create in Cambridge, where the Acon Nuclear uh, is, uh, is lodged, um, a welding center of excellence. And I can say that most of the teachers are coming from work. So we are, we are extremely happy, and, and we think it will, it will help us to be uh, even more productive uh, and uh, economically uh, even more, even better uh, on the major component refurbishment for Bruce and OPG. This being said, I mean, United States is a huge market for nuclear. Everybody now has realized that uh, in front of the, of the issues related with climate change and the greenhouse gas emission, I mean, you, you cannot get rid of nuclear. You need to use nuclear. Uh, to cope with the increase in the demand of electricity. So there's a huge program 
this program has been put on uh, quite a severe hold. I mean, uh, in March 2020 due to COVID, but uh, it's it's just coming back now. Um, so we uh, we are bidding through walks on their normal kind of job, which is a, a few dozens uh, million. But we will now um, try to internally join venture our teams from the, uh, the much bigger contract in Canada with works to try to go in the United States uh, toward projects above $100 million. So we are on our way to deploy this strategy. Right. That's good to hear, Jean-Louis. Okay, thanks a lot and uh, great result. Thanks, Roger. There's no further question this time. You may continue. Very good. Thank you very much, Rain, and thank you all for your attendance. As always, feel free to reach out for questions uh, after the call and have a great uh, rest of the day. We'll speak to you next quarter. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you all for joining. You may now disconnect. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.